What is up, everybody? And welcome to our 2023 Budget Rifle Roundup. Jim to my right, Mr. Ryan Muckenhern, across from us right now. Jim, uh, should we tell him? Mm, boy, just right away with it, huh? Here's the deal. This is going to be listed. This is listed as a 10-minute talk. It's not going to be a 10-minute talk. There. What, what do you say that when you do we just uh, do we just run out of spaces to slip a full length in, and we're just ah, we'll just sneak this in on Tuesday. We just uh, we wanted to get a little spicy with it. Just decided to not you know? sit for this one. We had to stand. Yeah, you may want to sit down because we have a lot to talk about here. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven different models of budget rifles uh, on the table right now. I counted them up like uh, like you would if you were on like a. TV show hunting or, uh, you know, uh, counting points on a buck. You got to count them all. Um, sure. Ryan, our, uh, we had some, you guys don't watch outdoor television ever? No. Can't say I do. If I um, ever want to see it, I just go outside. Oh, sick bird. Well, sometimes you can't. Uh, we uh, we set some parameters here, Ryan. We had a, a, a monetary threshold yeah. that we were going to, Stay under. Now, a couple of years ago, yeah. really not that long ago, our threshold might have even been around the $500 mark for a budget rifle. Mm, well, they've gone up. Inflation. But a couple of really great budget models aren't on the scene anymore. But, so we don't, we don't have them represented no, here? No, they're not. We're, there's a couple that aren't represented here. Just logistically, it was a little bit difficult to grab everything at one time. But a few models are no longer in commercial existence r.i.p well we, hey did we say what our monetary did i sit, say what our monetary threshold is seven hundred dollars sub yeah, seven hundred yeah, yeah. okay street, and I just was make sure. defined as street price yeah so you walk into mm-hmm. your local retailer and that's what you would expect to find that gun on the shelf for hang tag can if, if you'll go to if you went to the manufacturer's website you would likely see msrp correct. which is generally a little bit higher can we quick do a list of the ones on the table? Because then I'm curious what the ones that aren't here that Ryan has in his head would be. Okay. So if we just if we listed them real quick from uh, furthest from the camera to nearest, what would that be? We've got a Frankie Momentum, CVA Cascade, the uh, the Mossberg. Um, oh gosh, help me out here, Ryan. It's the MVP is it not? Uh, no, four by four ATR. ATR. Yep. Sorry. Patriot. Yep. Patriot. All-terrain rifle. Uh, Jim. Patriot. Help me out with this one. You've ever seen one of these before? Never heard of it. That's a lie. Ruger American. Yeah. This is the compact version. It is. I noticed that. Uh, and uh, Savage Axis. Sav- Savage Axis. Winchester XPR. Winchester. And the Browning AB3. Yes. So those are the models we're going to talk about today. We don't have a Weatherby Vanguard synthetic. Mm. We don't have a Howa 1500, which... Is kind of a Weatherby Vanguard synthetic. We don't have a Savage Model 10 um, because we don't have the right edition. We have yeah. these guns, but we have them in um, they're more, more expensive iterations. They're more expensive I've got specs. that. I've got that uh, that other uh, Weatherby Vanguard here. It's actually in the studio right now. But yeah, that one's coming well, in. Well, we at, have a model Model 10 in the studio as well right now. But it's yeah. If there's going to be some things that people might be a little nitpicky on. Some of the features that both of those rifles have, which brings them to a higher price point, add potentially some accuracy. And then there are a couple guns that are just no longer. 
What would uh, rattle them off? Yeah, what would fall into that? Something from T- Remington. TC Compass. TC. Oh, Compass. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Remington Seven Eighty Three. Yeah, that's the two. Well, those are primary two. Examples. Two those, of. You know, and then a few years ago we had guns like the Marlin XS Seven, XL Seven. Um, those are good guns. Um, they're not here anymore. Just too bad. But R.I.P. We got a lot of great op- options here. We a lot of these we see coming to the shop on a fairly regular basis. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. true. Very yep. true. Should we uh, let's go through them in the order that we just uh, rattle well, them? Can we like what what do these have in common that makes them more budget rifles? Because if you look at a if you look at a general bolt action rifle, they all just sort of look like sticks with a stock on the end and. You know, I mean, some of them might have their fancy stainless barrels or yep. fluting or whatever it might be. But, I mean, like, how do, how is it that one can get a $3,500, an $8,000, $10,000 plus dollar bolt-action rifle, uh, and then, meanwhile, you, you can walk into your average sporting goods store and pick out any one of these, which don't look dramatically different, for less than 700 bucks? Almost all of them are synthetic, in fact. Every All seven one. of them are synthetic stocks. Big cost-saving things, right? So synthetic stocks can be broken down into a couple different styles of synthetic. We would have like hand-laid, hand-laminated, say like a carbon or a fiberglass or a, you know that kind of upscale synthetic stock. Or you have like a classic injection molded stock, which all of these have. Um, so they're molded, which is not a bad thing. They're very durable. Yep. Um, generally they, pretty gen- light. Pretty durable. Yeah. Yep. Impervious okay. to the... In, in, you know, inclement weather and things like that. Um, really interesting thing, most of these have a variable shouldered barrel, which we saw, I'm going to say like commercially pioneered by Savage, where <clears throat> instead of the barrel shouldering against the receiver, so there's like a process involved at the assembly line where the, the chamber is cut, the barrel threads are cut, and that dimension is like calculated and executed with a shoulder on the barrel up against the receiver. A variable shoulder barrel has a threaded shank that has threads that match those of the receiver, and then they use a collet-type barrel nut to set and control the headspace. Um, so there was, a number of years ago, this big explosion of what we called the remage, which was a savage-type Barrel, nut, and barrel used on a Remington 700. I believe, James, you put together a gun. I have two. Mm-hmm. With a remage. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Two remage guns. My uh, 6 arc and the 6 factory. Yeah. DIY bolt gun. Oh, my gosh. Almost almost absurdly DIY. Yeah. Like, a guy like me doing it at my desk at work had no business with, like, two tools slapping together the most accurate rifle I've ever shot in my entire life. Yep. Says that master mechanic. <laughs> yeah. He built a... You welded that whole flatbed. I had a torque wrench and some parts, and I just torqued them together. I think I was holding the whole thing between my knees in order to like hold it steady. That's and like building an AR. Basically, yeah. yeah. The gun shoots. Way easier than building an AR. It does shoot. Anyway. So we've talked about variable shoulders on the podcast before, on how and why that can make a really economical package kind of come together. Right. Yeah. And so it's it's one last step in the manufacturing process in which somebody has to be there on the lathe with the receiver, with the headspace gauges, the whole kind of kit and caboodle. And you can go from bins of parts to assembled finished goods. Um, so I, I see a lot of variable shoulders employed. So how do, can you explain a little bit how that works? 
Sure. So like, let's look at this Mossberg here. This call it type barrel nut. So we go. If you're not watching this on on the YouTube, so we have the receiver of the rifle. Mm-hmm. Then there's a seam, and then there is a thin piece of metal, you know, a round shape at least that you can see, and that's your recoil lug. Mm-hmm. And then you have this interesting collet. Okay. So it looks. Um, Theirs is fairly camouflaged. You can really see it well on the, like uh, the Savage axis. here. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's very obvious that you know they, they, there's the yep. places to put a wrench on it. Um, that collet is that variable component. So if we detension it, we can just simply screw the barrel out, moving it further from the bolt face, or we can screw it in, moving it closer to the bolt face. And then when we're happy with the headspace achievement, we can tension that collet against, in this case, the recoil lug, and we've set our headspace, secured our barrel, and life is good. Gotcha. Versus this here, Franke Momentum, you'll notice the curious absence of that variable shoulder collet. Gotcha. So this barrel is, in fact, shouldered against the receiver, just like a Remington 700 would be or a Tika T3 or Winchester Model 70 or a Browning A-bolt, X-bolt, many of the other classic bolt action firearms that we are all familiar with. Um, and it's not a bad thing. It's it's an easy way to quickly and in mass get rifles put together that are in safe and proper functioning headspace. Um, and if you're a builder, pretty easy way they'd allow you to change a barrel pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Wait, which one is? You're, you're coming v- variable shoulder. The variable shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I was yep. thinking. Um, this way, like the Franke over here, like you were saying, where it's shouldered against the receiver is actually not something that your average person can start to mess with. Not unless your receiver is, there's kind of like a a group of receivers out there. Most of them are builder guns. There's a couple factory rifles that their um, receiver dimensions and thread tolerances are such that you could get a prefit. Oh, In which case, that's the easiest thing yet. I mean, then it's just you break your barrel off and you torque it back on. That is very nice. Life is good. Um, So we've mentioned that in the Tika podcast before. They use a a fixed shoulder, but their receivers are so keen and well thought out that you can just take a barrel off, put a barrel on. Gosh, that's nice. It is. Uh, But that might not be the spirit of these guns, right? So we're looking for an economical, reliable, accurate hunting rifle. And um, if it comes with a variable shoulder, so what? So, yeah. So that is, those two things, I see a lot of these in common. Uh, And something that we've talked about before on the podcast is this very curious bolt. So this is a fat bolt. So the bolt body is the same diameter as the bolt head. Mm -hmm. And it's one piece, which is really clever. So the Franke has a fat bolt. The CVA has a fat bolt. Mm -hmm. The Ruger has a fat bolt. The um, XPR has a fat bolt. And the... Uh, rounding AB3 has a fat bolt. That's, that's, that's one thing that I was definitely going to point yep. out, that you see a trend in this, you know, yep. this bracket. Three lugs. So in the fancy custom gun world, the three lug bolt, that's, you know, we get this abbreviated bolt lift and all these things that people talk about. Three lugs, you know, that being a huge merit. Well, they all come standard on these. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah, the only ones that don't have it would be the Mossberg and the Savage on this table. Correct. Which is really interesting. That is. Yeah. Savage still employs their floating bolt head on the axis, which is neat. Um, some, some neat and curious benefits, perhaps, to that, depending on who you talk to. 
Um, as a owner and shooter of several Savage rifles, I can tell you they all shoot good. Floating is neat. Yeah, floating is neat. So now should we go in order? We certainly. One, one more thing. Oh yeah. yeah. A couple of these guns have a very unique trigger, and that's um, what I think a lot of people will refer to as accu accu trigger style trigger where they have this safety blade inside of the trigger shoe. Mm-hmm. Some of them don't. Yep. That would be Mossberg, Ruger, and Savage here all yep. have that. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. No, there aren't any others on the table. All right, I'm done talking. How about magazines? Are they all detachable box-style magazines? Um. Yes, except for the Momentum. That's a hinge floor plate. Sure enough. Which is it pretty... That's a... You know, when you're looking at how to build an economical rifle, you'd think that a detachable box magazine would be an expensive component. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's pretty easy to do, especially if you're we're doing a molded mm-hmm. component. So we're able to eliminate some internal componentry, like a, an internal box mag, um, which is generally a, a piece of spring steel, sometimes they're solid, depending. Um, there's a floor plate. There's a couple of uh, hinge pins that are involved there. Um some di- some just different mechanisms that are going on there. A, a hinge floor plate, some people say, is a little bit more classy. A detachable box magazine is a little bit more utilitarian. In reality, a detachable box mag probably presents the manufacturer with a more affordable route than does the hinge floor plate. Hmm. Yeah. The old A-bolts, Ryan. Both. <laughs> both. Yeah. <laughs> you know me, Jim. I can't make a decision. I, I want both. I know. Were you the guy that would carry the auxiliary magazine in the pocket, drop the floor plate, rip the expended magazine out, and put a fresh one in? Or wait, what? So the A-bolt, what you're talking about is it's a detachable box magazine on a hinge floor plate. So you could rip that off and put a new one in. Oh, yeah. Did you carry two mags? I always carried two mags. Uh, Never changed them. Yeah, you never you, you kind of that's a that's a uh hope for the best plan for the worst. Understood. Sort of scenario. Understood. <laughs> uh or you know, I mean, you lose a mag, you know, then you got an extra on, mag. On my able, I like popping that open. Boop, it presents that um magazine on the floor plate like vertically and I can load it vertically. It only oh, holds two shells, but I can put them in there and close it up. It only holds two. Mine does. I have an Able 12 gauge. Oh, okay. Mm. That would make sense. Um, yeah, I've got two. I've got a 6.5 Creed and the old, the old Wisdom that we talk about all the time. But, uh, yeah. They, uh, I like that. It's easy. Yep. You just pop it right in, click, yep. off you go. Of course, these pop in and click. Um, couple of different sa- popping. A couple of different safety styles, too. Um, so there are Tang safeties on some of these guns. There are... Like 700 style safeties on some of these guns. Mm-hmm. That there are. The Browning's got a Tang, I believe. The Ruger, Savage, Savage, Ruger. Yep. What? Yeah. Yeah, there are. I keep looking over because I know we were going to start with the Franke, and I keep looking at it, and I'm like, where did this come from? I've never heard of it. Italy. I know where Franke came from. Oh. I didn't know they made a bolt gun. Yeah. How long has that been a thing? Momentum's a pretty new gun. A couple years. Is it? Yep. Okay. Um, Very nice rifle. Very nice rifle. You like them? I do. Excellent triggers. Phenomenal accuracy. I really like the action. Hmm. I don't think Mark cares for it as much as I do. It's a deal, Mark. 
I was just less drawn to it than some of the others. And then Brian was like, oh, I love it. And, uh, which, which I found, like, I, I think that was, like, there's nothing wrong with it, by the way, but um, I found it interesting, and it just goes to show, like, people will appreciate things differently. Uh, if I had to take a guess as to which one Mark is drawn to, it would be the Browning and the CVA. Well, I feel I think we can save this for the end. Okay, all right. I just can't help myself. Is that okay? God, you know me, guys. <laughs> the uh, the the Franke is very cool. We still have some of the marketing stickers on here. It has a really a bolt. We talked about the bolt a little bit. Ultra smooth, efficient, solid operation. Uh, and uh, and a really a trigger. That's what you're talking about there, Ryan. That's a nice trigger. It's got a seven year warranty on it. That's what that tag says over there too. How Neat. about that? Some of these got a threaded uh, barrel too. I was gonna say some of these are threaded. Yeah. Uh, a lot I like of having, I like having a threaded barrel. Man. I'll tell why you not? what. Why not? Gives you options. You know, What's the, why, why do guns even come unthreaded anymore? We've talked about this. You know, I was poo-pooing of suppressors for a long time, yeah. mostly because of their inconvenience cost and the heinous tax and wait time involved with them. Okay, the last one I understand. I don't know about the inconvenience. Well, the... it's... Jim, if I'm going to be a stick in the mud, I'm going to have several reasons why none of them have to matter. That's true. Now I'm all about them. I know. And now I'm now I'm crazy about them. I agree. I think if the gun can be threaded, it ought to be. If not for a suppressor, a muzzle brake. Right. Or just the option. Yes. I like options. But I would I would assume, you know, that's an extra step. It's sure. an extra sure. thing. You're you know, um yeah, that's absolutely. gonna add to the cost of the production of the rifle. That's I don't know true. how much. Or mm-hmm. you know Well, but, I mean it's a it's a significant step to be done correctly. Um, so it's cool to see it on you know several of the models here. The, the Franke, uh, the Browning has a brake on it. Uh, it does. It actually has a brake. Did it come with that brake? I think so. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. None of these came with brakes. They just came with threaded uh, end protectors. Yeah. What's this Franke chambered in? Mark, I yield to you. Most most of these are going to be six five Creed or three eight that we have on the table here, but um, lots of different options. I mean, uh, in the in the Franke, there's lots of options. Yeah, let me see what I got. I going think on Jim's here. courting himself a new Franke momentum. <laughs> what the? If what, for what no I, other reason than I like to just say the name. What else can I get that in? Well, I just it's like it's new for me. I hadn't seen it until I walked in here and we were getting ready for the podcast, and I'm looking at all these. And I'm like, yep, 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 yep. What is that? Give that thing a handle, Jim. You know us. We wear our microphones on the wrong side, That's apparently. True. Yeah. So if I try to hold it up to my face, you're going to hear just a bunch of... Boom, boom, boom. Many different models. Many different models. I can get them on... My printouts are failing me, Jim. They, this is you, my favorite part. This is... <laughs> yeah, this is an excellent printout That's an right email. Here. That's an email with some notes on it. Is it, though? Yeah. I think you actually... How many ads did you print <laughs> out? <laughs> a lot... Oh, this is a great one. This is... This is quality pronouns. Talking about some of those rifles that aren't on the list here. Again, it's not because we discredited them as viable options. We just simply didn't get them Mm -hmm. um, right away. So my hat tip to the Weatherby Vanguard and the Howa 1500, for instance. Great Mm -hmm. rifles. Ryan, what do you think about... Yeah, uh, that that Weatherby's coming in at 660. Yep. Uh, Oh, man. Pretty fine rifle. Dang right. Mm-hmm. Ryan, what do you think about the stock here? 
on the front key. It has the integrated mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. into the injection molded mm-hmm. stock integrated sling swivel yes. attachments or pickup points. Yep. Do you? Is that a good thing in your mind, or uh, or where are you at with that? How do you feel? Uh, in general, I think it's a good thing, is so long as that uh, point of integration and contact is robust. So, right. sling swivel studs. Actually, Mark and I were just having this conversation um, mm, the other day yeah. about sling swivel studs, and we take for granted every rifle these days seems to have one. Does a, if you're looking for an aftermarket stock, does a shooter elect to select a gun that has sling swivel studs, or do you go with something like a flush cup? And, you know, there are different ways to attach slings. I like both. I prefer a flush cup if I can get one. Mostly because I can't rip a sling swivel stud, or excuse me, a flush cup out of the stock, egg the hole, and goof something up. Also, sling swivel studs um, coming into contact with things during the recoil sequence can dramatically change how your gun behaves. Yeah, I, that one's a. Uh, and if like you pinched your hand between ooh. a pack frame and a sling swivel stud and a 300 Weatherby. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds oddly specific, Ryan. Uh, the proverbial hammer to the finger. I don't think that. So the I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, like, for the reason that you mentioned where you can't rip one of these bad boys. I mean, if it's constructed well, you can't rip one out. Sure. I've had sling swivel studs before where you're, you know, you're looking at that and you're like, okay, I'll rely to put my sling swivel on it. Or maybe even like a Harris bipod. Mm-hmm. And you just, for whatever reason, you just like, oh, let me just check that. And it's loose. Yep. And you're like, oh, okay, yep. good thing I didn't put too much, too much, uh, trust into that yet now this you could put it appears there's a threaded area to put a sling swivel in that would accept uh, a harris bipod or something this doesn't seem like it would be it would be fitted to to do so yeah you but, pop that little rascal out it's going to expose a uh, uh threaded receptacle you just thread that sling swivel stud right on in well someone was thinking yeah that's that's sharp mark um, do, are you are you prepared to move on to the to the CVA or are you, I see you're on Frankie's website now so, which is also what you printed out but somehow the printouts really didn't they didn't they didn't, uh, didn't, didn't do it when for you. you're printing websites they can be uh, it's got an <laughs> MOA guarantee on it thank you when you're printing websites <laughs> that sounds uh, like it's something illegal I was just over at Mark's over here just printing websites. Dude, I'm just some straight. websites. Uh, but he literally Where does. do we get you? I just, all I wanted to know was what, what, what cartridges it's it's offered in. Well, that's what I'm trying to find. The, uh, the now I might butcher uh, this. It's got the uh, Relia trigger. Relia. I mentioned, I mentioned you did these. Mention these are that. on the stock right I now. Know, you don't even I need know. the website. You don't but even it's need an, technology. It's, an adju- it's, right it's adjustable. It's did you mention that it's adjustable? I didn't mention that it's adjustable. So I, I, th- I think that's a noteworthy feature. It must be adjustable via some uh, pads that you can put in between the... the Jim, to answer got a, your question. It's got a nice recoil pad on it. 6.5 Creedmoor, 308 Winchester, 300 Win Mag, 243 Winchester, 270 Winchester, 30-06 Springfield, and 350 Legend. Oh, okay. So that's there are just, some options. That's just the standard momentum. There are um, some options. There's a couple of different versions of this. So like, take, for instance, the Elite Varmint. 22250, 223, 224 Valkyrie, which is neat. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, in the elite version of the Momentum, you can pick up uh, 6.5 PRC. Oh. They have an all-terrain elite, which looks a lot like a scout rifle. 
308 and 223 only. Don't say. Yeah, well, those are the cartridges I'd select if I were making something look like a scout rifle. Absolutely. That's, I mean, clearly they're all in on it because, you know, I've seen where some companies will come out with a new bolt gun and the only cartridges that they offered in are 308 for sure, 6.5 Creed probably, maybe 223, and that's it. And you're kind of like, I mean, hey, those are popular. They're going to check a lot of boxes they with do. that. But like, sometimes I wonder when I see that, I'm like, are you really all in on it? I mean, heck, when Ruger came out with the American, which we talk about all the time, they, I mean, they came out with it. And, and still to this day, I think you can get a Ruger American in basically everything that exists. 762 by 39. That is correct. So <laughs> Leave um, no stone unturned. None. Not a one. So cool to see that they have so many options. That's all I was getting at. I think that's I think that's mostly it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you, as we move on towards the the CVA, do you? I noticed that the the difference is you mentioned that it had they have the similar style bolt. Um, the Frankies is fluted. Yeah, the CVAs is not. Some there's a mixture of actually the only, no I realize there's only two fluted bolts on here and the rest are just kind of like solid pieces of metal. Is it? Is it a little bling? Is it some action bling, Ryan, or is there really something going on with the fluted bolt? It's mostly bling, but is there it? is something going on in there. Well, okay. So, so like, expl- what, what in theory should it be helping? So, in theory, with? so this, this rifle's bolt diameter is larger than that of, say, a Model 700. Um, so, or if we're looking at, like, the Axis um, or the Mossberg, you would look, the bolt heads are larger and so the bolt body does not come in contact with the sidewalls of the receiver at any point in time unless there's like a ton of slop in there so if you get a bunch of crud inside of your action you go to cam your action open that crud has two opportunities either we have mechanical retention of bolt and receiver just due to like an interference fit or it can flow into a groove and get out of the way and then we can manipulate the bolt okay um there is a potential to save a little bit of weight. I challenge that in this case. These flutes are very shallow. Yeah, they're not not deep. Understand that if they were very deep, wide flutes, you know, we're talking about steel. Steel's pretty heavy. If you've got a flute that's maybe, uh, I don't know, three-eighths of an inch wide by, oh, I don't know, maybe a quarter of an inch deep, if, if the bolt had enough material to allow that, you'd be moving significant amounts of weight off that especially if you do a spiral flute and you can chew up a lot of that surface area on that bolt you'd move a lot of weight out of there for the most part it's aesthetic Mm. Um, there is some function gained with it i believe that the initial bolt fluting was done as that a reliability thing in either inclement weather like a frozen bolt Hmm. or um, in a muddy sandy icky environment good to know yeah good to know on the old uh, cascade here, Ryan, what's what's the footprint of that bolt then? It is, by footprint, do you mean style? Yeah. A fat bolt. Yeah, so three lug, just like the others that we are looking at. So I think this is always cool, too. They employ this fancy side bolt release, which for a long time was called like a Nasika-style bolt release. Mm-hmm. This, was, uh, this was an expensive upgrade if you were taking a Remington 700 and you were giving it that bolt release instead of the uh, in-trigger guard bolt release. So here again, fat bolt. Um, this one just a lot less geometry carved into it than the uh, Franke, but a fat bolt. Stock is camo. 
Yeah. It's the only one on the table. It's camo. Don't set it down in the weeds. Love that. Got Cer- a... Uh, Cerakote. I was going to say, it looks Cerakoted barrel. That is a nice thing. That's the... That's... Uh, on some of these more uh, affordable level firearms, I find that the finish, in my experience has been more prone to moisture and rust. And, you know, I, I, I don't know what process. I, it appears to be, you know, mostly just a bluing process. But I don't know. Like, there there has to be differences in bluing process. Like, not all blued rifles, the bluing is done no. exactly the same. Not all blued rifles are blued. Well, okay. Some of them have, like, a black nickel. Okay. Um, applied through, uh, like, an electric process in which we're plating and sometimes that is contaminated and sometimes that goes poorly i've seen a lot of finishes on really nice guns especially like very expensive semi-automatic waterfowl shotguns have some of the worst finishes that you can come across really yeah through an electroless nickel process uh and they immediately rust yeah um the big turning point in my career was when I bought a new, very nice semi-automatic shotgun and promptly spray-painted the barrel black. Oh, you. That's when I knew right there, I'm okay with this. Yeah. I got my uh, Browning Synergy, which isn't the epitome of fancy double-barrel uh, shotguns or, or two-barrel shotguns, but uh, I Cerakoted the barrel black yep. immediately. And you know what? It doesn't look that much different. Now, if no. your gun was a high-luster finish... Obviously, that would look a lot different. But when we look at like a lot of these matte blued finishes, um, a, a flat black Cerakote application is faster. I, I would have to do like a cost study. So I blued a barrel before. Mm-hmm. That was a pain in the butt. I bet. Now it I was looks like a pain. In the butt. Yeah, I so I had to remove bluing finish and I had to like even out the grain structure of the metal. Um, so I had old bluing. I had to remove it and then i had to even out that grain and make it look good so it didn't look like i sat there with emery cloth and did this for three days mm. and so maybe that's like on the far end of the extreme there i would surmise that it would be more cost effective and, and time effective to simply take a barrel post machining everything set up a barreled action for that matter hit it with some aluminum oxide and cerakote the dang thing yeah it's an impervious finish for the most part and they have so many finishes now. Like yes. you said, you can do it in a way, if you don't want it to be noticeable, you can do it in a way that you would never know. Yep. Right. And if you do want to do something fun, you can. And, I mean, it's so nice to be able to, like, how many barrels? I know I've seen a number of barrels. Either they come through the showroom or I've bumped into people at events or even they've been my own, where you'll even see literal outlines of hands in rust in the barrel beginning to form. And it's just that stuff that you always got to be worried about, whereas you do the Cerakote, and, you know, in this case, it comes with it done, which is nice. Yeah. That's and a nice upgrade. It is a nice upgrade. So, like, you can grab that thing by the barrel. You can take it out in a wet environment and come home. Maybe run something down the board when it's all done with that just to keep the inside nice. But you don't have to worry about the outside. No. And it's just, it's, I mean, um, when we went out to the Vortex Extreme a couple of years in a row, I remember I had my, my Ruger American before I had it Cerakoted. And even just, I didn't even touch it. It was just, it, it flew. You know, like you just put it in the plane and it flew. And by the time you take it out, you're like, what's all this like reddish brown tint? Interesting. You know, it's just, that, so. wasn't, uh, that wasn't a professionally applied window tint, Jim. That was that was <laughs> right. Yeah, that is correct. So anyway, I'm, I'm, all for, uh, I'm all for either stainless or having, you know, Cerakote applied. I think that's great. Yep. 
I'm, I agree with that completely. I hope that maybe some of the firearms manufacturers will say, hey, you know, somebody invested in a budget rifle. It might have been the most that they could invest in that gun. Let's get them into the next 10 to 20 years of service life and give that thing a really strong and sturdy finish like Cerakote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and plus, too, a lot of people, this is their first gun. Sure. So you're, they're, they're worried about a lot of other stuff other than the finish yep. of their firearm. I'll tell you so. one thing that'll strip finish off a gun like you wouldn't believe is blood. Oh, sure. Yep. Yeah. So you, you go ahead and field blood dress. Blood is a, a wild thing, man. It it's is. Got, there's a lot of stuff in there. You field dress yourself a pronghorn, whitetail, mule deer, elk, or moose, and then touch the finish of your firearm. And you, I mean, I think uh, it's not your gun. Somebody's got a gun here that... They had snatched a receiver. It was a Browning BAR. Post field dressing to sling the gun, and there are four fingers on the receiver from where a bloody hand had touched it. Wow. Yeah. And it just started a chemical process that erased that bluing. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, the old CVA Cascade. It's a good rifle. Uh, it's got, and it's got some extras. Like I said, yeah. threaded barrel, nice synthetic stock with yep. kind of more of like a, I guess I'd... I call it like a, something. is that like a Duratouch finish-ish type thing? Mm, kind of. A um, little bit tackier. Uh, comes with? Bases. The bases. That's a big deal. Two-piece, that's, that's a plus. It's, it's still better than not. I'll mm. say one thing, a challenge that we've had with the Momentums is finding customers mounting solutions. Okay, interesting. Yes. Oh, is it, is it a proprietary? It's a 700 footprint, but not whole spacing dimension. Yeah. Two-piece bases, though. You yeah. know, Threaded Cerakote comes with the bases. Uh, bolt. I like the uh, the the lift, you yeah, know? Uh, and uh, smooth. Yes, I find the action uh, nice and smooth. So, uh, CVA. Uh, I mean, some people primarily known for their muzzle loaders, or or single shot firearms. So, um, this have they had this for long? Um, few years. Few years. Yep. I mean, I know that it's been around for yep. a little bit. I at least recognized it when I came in. But, Not long. But yeah, I don't think. I mean, have has bolt action rifles for them been a very long standing thing in general? No. Okay. No. Got it. No. So yeah. Just, so no, the the Cascade is is pretty new on scene. I think that was that's their first <laughs> yep. bolt action rifle. Relative well, to like their, their says his- right on the website. I printed off Jim. Relative to their history as a firearms manufacturer, Jim had alluded to uh, Connecticut Valley Arms. Big in muzzle loaders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they do a real nice job. Yes. And muzzle loading accessories as well. Good um, on them for getting into the bolt action game, you know? So, you know what? I'll say this. Absolutely my favorite brand of muzzle loader for not custom prices. Sure. Right. So right. I, I go, I go. you buy a muzzle loader or you build a muzzle loader, and unquestionably you get the best performing rig out of their, their muzzle loaders as well. And these cascades are no slouch. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Would you like the the chambering list, Jim? Why not? Uh, you found it this how, time. So. How, how much time you got, buddy? They got a lot. Oh wow, We've that's an extensive list. Two seventy Winchester, thirty out six, two forty three, six five Creedmoor, three oh eight, four fifty Bushmaster, three fifty Legend, twenty two two fifty, six five PRC, seven millimeter rem mag for you, Ryan. Three hundred Win mag. 223 and the old 204 Ruger. Hey, there's a cartridge that's soon to be a lead balloon. <laughs> uh, I like that one. I don't own one, but I like it. Well, you're part you're contributing to the lead balloonness. Part of the problem, not part of the solution. That's right. Uh okay. CVA Cascade. Got it. 
in the go. in the books. The only one next is uh, or the only one with what appears to be a stainless barrel, or is that Cerakote? That's stainless. On the table, that none well, of the other ones have stainless. Well, I, well it, doesn't it kind of look Cerakoted though? Kind like of. back here. I, you know, this Jim, doesn't look stainless. I, I think you're right. I think it may be Cerakoted to appear stainless, but hey, that's good. Not bad. Probably even better, right? <laughs> Depending on who you are. The Mossberg Patriot. The Mossberg Patriot. This gun's been around for a while in it some has. iteration or form. Came out very shortly after the, or or about in tandem, I can't remember, with, with the Ruger American. Right. And obviously, I mean, you know, you can tell they're direct head-to-head competitors when you got American versus Patriot. Like a Remington 700, but also like a Savage. Explain. Oh, because of the Because of the, the way that they do their bolt. Is, is pretty interesting. So The bolt reminds me... Okay, tell me if I'm way off here, Ryan. Yeah. It reminds me a little of my Lee Enfield. Sure. Just the multiple pieces at the at yep. the rear. Yep. yep. Uh, it just... It, there's something reminiscent. So, bolt body, bolt handle, bolt head. Mm-hmm. On a lot of guns, if it was a, like truly a 700-style bolt, this and this would be one piece. Right. Um, either machined as such or brazed together, preferably machined as such. Um, this bolt head is removable, um, which is like a Savage, but Savage does theirs a little bit differently. So like a 700, but like a Savage, somewhere right in in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. I, yeah, I mean, these, do you think it's like you get best of both worlds in some uh, ways or what? I like, think you could afford yourself as a manufacturer a little bit easier time on configuring guns for different calibers. Okay, so right. So this bolt could work for a number of different chamberings, but if you had different bolt heads, you wouldn't need different one-piece assemblies. Mm-hmm. You would have a bolt body, and you would have bolt heads, put them together, put the pin in. Yeah. And now it's, um, you know, 473 bolt face or, um, you know, 545 bolt face or whatever you had to do. Talk to us about lugs, Ryan, because this has two. Yeah. We mentioned on the many other models on the table, there are three. And, um, well, heck, when you go to like a Weatherby, there's a bunch, isn't there? There's like six well, or something. I mean, there's six or nine, but really that's three with a bunch of cuts in it. Well, okay. Anyway, but okay, so two versus three. Mm-hmm. Does that make this, you know, like inherently weaker in some capacity to the three lug ones? Or, I mean, clearly, I don't hear stories of Mossberg Patriots blowing up left and right. So, it's, you know, must be, no. it must be adequate. Yeah, I, I, it is. Okay. It's totally adequate. You do afford yourself, generally observed, anyways, a slightly shorter bolt throw. Okay. Um, with a three lug system. Um, some people will say that there's like a, like a, an aligning improvement to the bolt running through the receiver? I don't know. Hmm. Um, some people will say that a three-lug bolt can facilitate better extraction from the magazine, like feeding, uh, because now you have this, depending on how the bolt lugs are timed, you'd have a lobe that would run down that would act as a scoop for your cartridge out of the magazine. Hmm. Um, classic push-feed guns, pretty darn reliable, um, unless you're shooting upside down. Uh, then and you short stroke, and then you might end up dumping a mag or a round out of your magazine. Okay, so short. reminder: don't shoot upside yeah. down and short stroke the. Bolt. For all for all you classic Winchester Model Seventy control round feed guys, <laughs> um, yeah, I I mean, it's been a standard now for a very long time, right? And 
I'm certain at some point there was some inadequacy in comparison to either a control round system or a, a multi-lug system, more than two. Um, but, I mean, the Remington 700 is still a very, very popular action. Extremely. And, and its derivatives and clones and such. Yeah. So they seem to work just fine. Um, but you do get a little bit of a bolt throw difference. That's that's for real. Yeah, you can see mm-hmm. it here. It's a little yep. taller than the other ones. Yep. Uh, but these have been good guns. You know, they've, they've never been um, earth-shatteringly beautiful, but functional they are. Sometimes that's all you need. Correct. Yeah, I mean, you know, looking at this is, I mean, I'm on the website right now. This is the MSRP price, 553 There know. it is. Synthetic Cerakote. So we are looking at Cerakote. Hot yep. dog. Look at that. That was the MSRP is five fifty three. Mm-hmm. My goodness, today's day and with today's economy, that's a good. Uh, that's a good. So yep. yeah, you know, S- there. Uh, Cerakote comes with the bases. Yeah, my favorite thing is getting pictures from customers when they've gone on cool hunts that I've never gone on, and they've taken sheep, caribou, musk, musk, okay, <laughs> moose and musk ox. And I see a picture of a gun like a Mossberg Patriot or 4x4 and ATR. And cool. I love that. That's my favorite. Like, that guy bucked convention. Mm-hmm. Somebody somebody told him he needed some sort of multi-thousand dollar custom rig. And he says, no, this one shoots really good. I'll take it. I mean, we've talked about our very own Paul Neese went on a doll sheep hunt. Probably the first guy to kill. And he, he had a rifle that he had bought essentially specifically yeah. for a mountain type hunt. It was a very nice rifle, but it had a uh, a malfunction that he wasn't able to get uh, sorted out in time, and he had an old Ruger American that just absolutely hammered, and he brought that and killed a darn doll sheep with it. Capital doll sheep, too. Yes. Really nice ram. Mm. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We just mentioned it. And it's Might the next as well. One on That's the a table. nice little segue. Yeah. And it's, I'd say, I mean, other than, obviously, the Bolt is a different design. Mm-hmm. But I mean, again, American versus Patriot. Like you can just tell by the names that these two are, are neck and neck. They're designed to be, you know, competing against one another. Uh, we talk about the Ruger American all the time because I think the I do believe the Ruger American was first on scene compared to the Mossberg here. And so, the, you think I'm off there? Yeah, the core functionality of the Mossberg, like the action itself, predates the American. Well, was, no, I'm talking about literally this model of oh. rifle, I believe, came out. Like, Ruger was, like, introducing the all-new Ruger American, and I believe shortly afterward, Mossberg Got released it. the Patriot. Got it. Uh, sure. So, Mos- so, I'm just saying that's yeah. part of the reason why I feel like we've had these around more sure. often, because I think we just bought a bunch of them when they first came out, sure. and didn't really need any more after that. Right. Well, that's a lie. We always need more, but it just became weird. I still don't to. own one, and every year, I talk, you know, <sighs> I, I should not. just, I should I just buy one of those things. You should. It's easy. There's no reason not to. Uh, the Ruger American, it goes without saying, it's a damn fine rifle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't. I have no regrets or any other feelings other than those things just shoot. They do, don't they? They do. They're they're a pretty keen rifle. Yeah. Um. I mean, molded trigger guard, which isn't dissimilar to what the Mossberg is doing. But you look at everything where they're like, okay, we don't need this to be a detachable piece. It doesn't mm-hmm. need to be a, a secondary assembly. Let's just make it a one thing. And like the stock, you look at the stock and it is what it is, right? It's a synthetic stock. There's nothing fancy about it. That is not what makes this rifle uh, complete. It is, in fact, the the barreled action. Um, they are sweet. They, do. they just plain shoot. They just tend to work. They, shoot. they do. 
Here we go. Comes with a one-piece base. In now, fact. You know, uh, I feel real good about that. Uh, the action does, I mean, part of the reason, I guess, it probably that it comes with a one-piece base, the action goes around all the way over the top. It's not all open on sure. the top like these other sure. actions we've talked about. Rigid. Um, but yeah, I mean, really, the, we talk about it so much, and I feel like it gets so much love from us. I, I feel like I can I can bring it back down to mortality here by, by saying that I do feel the stock leaves a little to be desired. It's a little thinner than yeah. other synthetic stocks, mm-hmm. and uh, especially where you uh, sort of make your cheek weld, I find it to be quite skinny. Sure. And so something like a Bradley Cheekrest works great on these to just beef it up a little bit. Uh, I see the Mossberg Patriot here has a nice kind of swell over on that right uh, left side for right-handed shooters. Um, probably a little more comfortable, but I mean... Remedies do exist. Easy ones do exist. Or, um, you know, you can obviously go and change the stock later on. Magpul makes one that's pretty darn good. And, you know, lots of other people do. So, Ryan, is that more of a Monte Carlo? No. No. That would be just called a cheek piece. Looking at okay. the uh, Mossberg here. Yeah. At the Mossberg, yeah. What would constitute a Monte Carlo? A Monte Carlo style? would have a, a raised comb as well. Okay. Yeah. Um,. Another uh, noteworthy feature of the Patriot that none of the others have, it does have a fluted barrel. We're kind of oh, going we're going yeah, back to the sure. Patriot here, but just if, oh, we're, yeah, if we're calling out features, if you're into fluted barrels, that's got one. Good point, Mark. Yep. Good point. The um I'd be curious if the Patriot comes in as many configurations as the Ruger American. We mentioned that earlier on. The Ruger American has the the compact one like we're looking at now with a shorter barrel. It's got they... longer barrel variants. It has it has practically every caliber known to man. It has different color stocks. It's got. I feel like it's. I'll tell you what the the Patriots have a lot of chamberings. They I've, do. I've fired straight walls in the Patriots, and I've fired straight walls in the Americans. Right. And actually, on the same range at the same time. Yeah. Um, they make them in magnum chamberings. They make them in standard chamberings. They don't make such a clean rimfire version. Like there's an American rimfire. There is. Yeah. Um, but they do have rimfires. Yeah. Yeah. That gun, they, those two are in really close contention with each other. Good guns. Yeah. You can't go wrong. Yeah. You just you just can't. I did shoot. Uh, I did shoot, and I mentioned it a few times. But I went to a long range competition, the old Vortex Extreme. I went two years in a row. With a Ruger American with the standard synthetic stock on yeah. it and a Razor 5 to 20 back when we uh, still had those. They were one of the longest standing yeah. rifle scopes in our entire lineup in history. But uh, I went I went with that setup and I did all right. First, Enough to have fun. First Razor product I ever owned. Yeah, likewise. Retailing so. for about that 500 mark. The Rugers here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, That's a hard gun to beat. Well, well below ours. Yeah. Kind of seven hundred dollar threshold here. It is. Um, yeah. Next up. Next up, the Savage. The Savage. I see. Uh, I'll, I'll call it Savage now. Uh, it. <laughs> I see. It's got. Well, there's a lot going on here because we mentioned it's got a different bolt. This one has a nice one piece rail. It's quite an extended one piece. That rail. is an EGW standard rail. Oh, so this this was added after the factory option. Oh, factory option. It is. Oh, look at them. Look yep. at nice job, EGW. And, and warranted. And we'll talk on this rifle's action in a little bit here. Yeah. And then the stock has some stuff going on. It appears to be quite modular. In fact. In some ways. Yeah. So let's let's dive into this thing. So this gun came out a long time ago, not as the Axis. It was initially introduced as a gun called the Edge. 
Oh, I remember that. And that was only a short period, and then it was changed to the axis. Hmm. And it was a really interesting design. It reminded me a lot of a rifle that Savage made. I don't believe they still make it, called the Model 25, which was a really slick gun. That was a three-lug bolt. That was The 25 was a really fascinating rifle, um, and they had it for a long time. Um, it was a major departure. When you looked at the receiver, it was just like a tube that they cut a hole um, for the ejection port into. Uh, and that was that. And so when you're when you're looking at this gun, the receiver terminates at the back, and there's not any like visible or discernible geometry cut into it like some of these other guns do, that have like a uh, a rear bolt lug nesting area place. It doesn't exist. It just terminates. Um, and it so does. the receiver itself is very simplistic in that it is a round stock with an ejection port. And a hole drilled through it. Very grease gun of them. In fact, um, it is variable shoulder, as we talked about earlier. And if anything, it's very long. And so a challenge that you have with the axis, and this is actually why we started carrying one-piece Picatinny rails here at Vortex for folks who walk in the door. This is a long action. That's a 6.5 Creedmoor on the table, and it's it's notable. They're long. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of customers come in with axes and with a, or axes. I think that's right. Yeah. With the two-piece system, it's very challenging to mount modern rifle scopes on them because those islands are so far apart. Gotcha. And mm. so as we kept telling folks, well, you got to find yourself a one-piece. Eventually, we just said, okay, we got to start carrying EGW one-piece bases here for customers that come in the door to get mounted up. Um, it was because of the axis. Uh, so if anything, its receiver is unnecessarily long for a lot of applications. Of course, you throw a one-piece pick rail on there, problem solved. Um, extremely utilitarian gun. Really, it's much the same as a Model 10, a fair bit different. Mark, would you grab that Model 10 behind you? Oh, there's one just hanging out. Here. It, we do. It's, it's kind of the wrong configuration to be included in this test, but... Nonetheless, it's it's worth noting. So the cool part, I think, about the Model 10s is that floating bolt um, and what they can do. So there's a, a working theory that says a floating bolt head can help concentricize the cartridge in the chamber and can yield some higher degree of accuracy, even some reliability because it's very forgiving. It's extremely modular. So if I have this Model 10 action and... I had a cartridge that fit within its either magazine constraints or ejection port constraints. I can simply change the bolt head to accommodate a massive variety of, of And, of chambers. course, the barrel. Yeah, correct, and, yeah. and the barrel. But the bolt head just comes off, and then you can change it from, say, a 223, which this one is, to a 308, to a short magnum, to something else, if, if it exists. You can even get, like, a Grendel PPC arc bolt face for these and... That's slapped together neat. and good to go. 6.8 SPC, et cetera. Um, so they took a lot of the best features of the Model 10 or Model 11 or Model 12 or Model 14 or Model 16, which are all kind of the same gun, just different flavors. And they built them into the very budget-minded axis, which I always look at as a, an interesting blend of the Model 25 and Model 10. Very cool. Yeah. Very neat. And uh, here again, you speak to the modularity of their stocks. This is a relatively new thing for Savage. Actually, hold on. So the Model 10 that we have here, you can see this has taken another bit further modular cheek piece. Yep. So now we can amend comb height. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and modular uh, recoil system or recoil pad in the back, we can extend length of pull or diminish or decrease length of pull. Um, some of the other ones I do believe have grip modules as well. I think that's what this one has. This one has multiple different modules. There's even one up here near the magazine. Magazine well filler. Area. So what would that be? Same stock, different magazine length. So one part, i.e. the stock, we put in a magwell filler block, and we can change it from a short magazine to a long magazine. Gotcha. Oh, got it. So basically, Savage is able to use the same stock for multiple different configurations Correct. themselves. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's not necessarily something that you not as the a, end user would yeah, be Yeah, not like with, a user unless, feature okay, necessarily. Yeah. But hey, I mean, good on them. It, it, it works. But I'll say this, and you know, you've heard me gripe in the past about how I hate how modern bolt rifles are stocked for iron sights. Not a single gun on the table has iron sights. Very few guns available in a modern bolt hunting rifle come with iron sights. They're all still stocked as if we're using iron sights. It's true. Just, you do need a cheek, it's some quite, sort of a cheek It's riser. an interesting phenomena that I don't know. Makes me bonkers. I think a lot of people don't realize how important getting your eye behind the rifle scope at the right height oh, and yeah. length and eye, you know, all yep. that. I don't think people realize enough how important that is. Savage has yet. come to the table as one of the singular manufacturers to address this in a factory option without being like a high-end custom adjustable right. stock. Yeah, or like a chassis or something. Y- yep. So modular cheek piece inserts. We just last week, uh, Travis Jones and I reconfigured a, a rifle for a gentleman. It was a Savage. Yeah. Um, so we he brought in his full palette of cheek piece additions and we slapped them together and got him the perfect fit. That's why our buddy Brad over at Bradley Cheekrest is still uh, making hay with his oh yeah with his rest that he sells. I think we sell those things uh, to, to people. We sell them on them all the time. Yep, because it is so much better. Might have a little aftermarket stuff going on at them. I think so. Factory. When um, when you go from from sitting behind your rifle scope with just this one of these regular stocks, and then you actually put an appropriate system on the stock. Like the Bradley Cheekers, but there are many others too, of course. But like you just you just get your face and your eye in the right spot. Yep. Oh my gosh, what a difference it makes. Yes. The image of your rifle scope looks better. You're more comfortable. Your neck hurts less. I mean, everything is better. Even you're recoil not fighting things. Yeah. You're not fighting. You're just more relaxed. Even recoil mitigation is notably improved. So I agree a, a, a well fit rifle feels like it recoils less. Sure. It does. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. Um. Uh, so yeah, this Savage Axis sadly doesn't have the uh, cheek comb adjustability but it does have the length of pull adjustability so kudos there cool gun i i do it does have some interesting features that are you know it's just different Mm -hmm. from the other ones on the table and moving on the winchester xpr the winchester xpr yep so big departure from the model 70 uh their iconic bolt rifle forever um the XPR is following the same lines as many of these other fat bolts do. That's a neat feature. We'll get to that in a little bit. Please do. Very confused. Can there. we back up? I've got one notable feature in a way of the uh, Savage Axis. Okay. Retailing street price about three hundred and fifty bucks. Oh yeah. No. Yeah, they're super affordable. Oh my gosh! They, I always thought that the previous two we just talked about, the uh, Patriot and the American, were the yeah, were the ones. So Generally, when, when you're talking a little bit of the modularity in the stock and holy crap, you know, that's that's now, different. On the website, Ryan, I didn't see the model, and I'm not saying it doesn't exist with the rail on it, though. Yeah, they come with rails now. Okay, that's um, neat. The guns are generally observed as bonkers accurate too, like bonkers accurate. Well, we were just talking about them in a different podcast the day the other day. Again, a different rifle, but yeah. man, those one tens that we had. Oh yeah, just 
I mean, we talk about them all the time. They're legendary here at Vortex. They just hammered very them. much. Very you know, much and that's so. that's actually predominantly my experience with Savage Rifles, but mm-hmm. it was definitely a positive experience. In fact, uh, yes. Every time I hear the, na- the name Savage, I, I actually go back to the Savage One Ten BA Three Thirty Eight Lapua with a PST Gen One Six Twenty Four by Fifty on top. Did you, did you ever own setup. one? I never owned one, but I feel like I did vicariously via the thousands of customers of ours that did. <laughs> uh, so on to the XPR. Yeah. So it's fat bolt. So just like all the others we mentioned, fat bolt, almost identical geometry, side magazine release, or side bolt release just like all the others. Have we ever tried just goofing around and seeing if we can swap bolts between some of these? Oh, boy. Jim. I reckon you could, Jim. Um 308 winches. Grabbing the Ruger American. Let's just see. Wow, that one's got some goofy geometry. Well, what the hell? We'll find out. We can always edit this out. Yeah, uh, let's say that we're not advocating for this. This is merely not satisfying advocating. some sort of curiosity. I put it in wrong. There we go. Nope, ain't gonna go. Negatory. There's enough geometry difference there. Okay. That's probably right. good. I'm just curious. Yeah. It is probably good. So it's fat bolt. So it's got all the things that we talk about that we like about fat bolts. Um, it's a variable shoulder, which there's nothing wrong with that. And it's got a detachable box magazine that is eerily reminiscent of my favorite brand of rifles, detachable box magazine, mm-hmm. plastic detachable bottom metal, which again, I really don't have a problem with in general. Um, and Jim had touched a button on here earlier and was like, what, what do, um, one thing with a lot of these bolt rifles, and we've talked about this on the Tika podcast is with a Remington 700 style safety. A lot of guns do not allow the bolt to open on safe. Okay. So we have to move it into the fire position to open the bolt unless you push that button and then the bolt oh, opens up. Oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Now. Yes, that's nice. Yeah, it is. It's a, that's, a, that's a nice to have. Um, and I don't understand why more guns don't incorporate something along those lines. Like, I mean, but you say all you will about the fact, oh, well, if you're observing all the firearm sure. safety rule, then you're not going to have an issue if you just put it in the fire position and then uh, as far as safety goes and then open the bolt. But, like, it, uh, there's a mechanical. Somebody yeah. figured out a way, and it doesn't seem that it's all that complicated because it's in an affordable budget-style platform. Yep. They figured right. out a way that you don't have to put it in the fire position, and you can just still open the bolt. Yep. And it just makes sense. And and I like it. And I like the fact that there's a mechanical block that's preventing my trigger from actuating. Yeah. And I can still open my bolt, which is cool. So uh, these are these are actually really pretty remarkable guns. And if you're a Winchester purist, that means you love Model 70s. And a Model 70 is a wildly different gun than an XPR. But here again, there ain't a damn thing wrong with an XPR. They really, really do a good job. These guns are generally observed as spectacularly accurate. Their fit and finish is amongst the best on the table. Mm. Uh, despite being a simple synthetic stock with a plastic bottom metal on them, they really are a pretty well buttoned up gun. A uh, couple things I really like about them, there are 840s on the top of the receiver versus 648 that a lot of these guns are employing. Oh, you're referring to the fastener size. It is beefier uh, hole there yeah. for the fastener for the scope bases to go in. That's nice. Why the gun industry is still stuck on 648s they're diminutive. They're so tiny. Find 648s in a hardware store. You almost can't. Oh, yeah. Well, that too. Yeah. It's it's kind of a goofy proprietary fastener, and they're used in the gun industry like crazy, and I don't get it. Um, an 840 is a better solution. They seem to, I, I guess the, the the smaller fasteners seem to hold up fine. It's not that yeah. they just break or anything like that, but like it just... 
we're not seeing it. It's not like a quarter 20 hole on the top of that right. thing. It's still nice and yeah. svelte. And I'm sure you could still get like a, well, I just, it's, it may, that makes sense as well. Better hole. A better hole exists. Yep. Uh, these are really good guns. They really are. I I'm, like that one. I'm putting them in kind of a another subcategory within this, and that's like the upper echelon subcategory. Fit, finish, feel. Their triggers are pretty darn special too. That's a that's a criteria that maybe we'll weigh in on too. You know, we'll get a pull gauge and yeah, we'll do like factory set trigger. Pretty solid break on them. Not a lot of over travel. A lot of take up. Good trigger. Mm-hmm. They feel yeah. nice. Is this this is just a body line here, or is this yeah, actually yeah. a separate piece? Oh yeah, it almost looked like it had uh, the ability to change your uh, cheek weld with an insert there, but that's just that's just design there. Um, very cool. It doesn't have one of them. Uh, what, what was the term that we used? The AccuSet trigger, or the Accu trigger, or whatever. Yeah, I it doesn't don't... have one of those. I know, like, I still can't get over it. Try it, the pull on that thing. All right, I still can't get over the Accu trigger. You know, I have some precision guns now and stuff that don't have them. Do you like they, it? What? Do you like it? I do like it. Some some people once I you like it once you go to them, there's like a deliberate mental component where you're taking That's that. That's really up. nice, actually. Yeah. It's Winchester's MOA trigger system. Yeah. That's okay. That's won't you? That's pretty exceptional. Bring that over here. Um, try I, the try the Franke too, though. This one will this one will surprise you. I'll should, give it wait, that. Should we do this all at once? As Why kind not? of like a net, we're going kind of hodgepodge here. It is a little hodgepodge. Sorry, Mark. It's a ten minute talk that's gone at least fourteen minutes. Not as good, but good. In my opinion. Well, okay, it's about it's nearly there. I was just uh messing with the trigger on the Franke here. I can tell you I wouldn't need to change that one bit. Nope. No, you don't need to mess with that one on the Winchester. That is something special. But yeah, I just, like you said, it's something that we're like, when you are able to like mentally and physically begin your trigger press on that AccuTrigger blade thing, yep. it just, it's something like, okay, I'm settling in and I like it. But that was I really think nice. what whatever... It's just what you're getting used to, though. Like right. that, you, that's your expectation when you're running that gun. If I shot that Winchester a lot, I'd know exactly what was going on sure. with that thing, yeah. too. Yeah. You would just initiate your shot process a little bit differently. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I remember on my first Ruger American, it was like the seven stages of pulling the trigger because there was like seven <laughs> different feels that you got until the gun went off. But I memorized them and I just, I got to know it was like, it was like entering into the zone, you know, as you'd just be like, okay, all right, we're going to get through that. We're going to get through that, and it's going to go off any minute now, and I know it's going to go off now. Just, you get used to it. Whatever you got, you get used it's, to it. Well, you like, you know, manual transitions, Jim, so you're like, okay, we're in first, second, third, you know. That's right. Fourth, yeah. It's, 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 it's here like we go. Six, we're, we're getting there. The old six-speed trigger. Um, so, <laughs> Winchester, good gun. Yeah. Good gun. Yeah. That trigger, uh that's a selling feature for it me. Is. It's on very that. Good I mean, and, and I don't think any of these have been bad, and they're all, um, you know, like we said, a couple different styles here, um, and you're going to get get by with all of them. But I really like that one personally. Yep. The last one on the table is from oh, your about five forty on that one too. On oh, the, thank on you, the XPR. thank you. Yeah, okay. that is. Yeah. I was expecting in the sixes, if not if not touching seven, almost. And the last gun. The last gun from. Browning. It's very much the same as the Winchester. 
They're pretty. Say, they're pretty similar. What my favorite part is, is it's also got a button on the near the yeah, oh well, yeah. Bolt. So does that accomplish the same task? Yes. So tank safety, but bolt release. Really? Okay. So somebody. Okay. So multiple people have figured it out. Yeah. So these these guns are are nearly interchangeable. Um, my nod goes to the Browning, personally, just due to further stylization. The fun part about this is they retained this very classic A bolt bolt handle. Like I do and, like that. And their their cocking piece or their cocking piece shroud. It's like you took the A bolt and everything everybody loved about it and you just made it the A bolt three. Um, so they went to a fat bolt again. See, we have a fat bolt here. Turn up. Fat bolt. Yeah. I, I almost bet that one would drop right in there. Um, we got eight forties on top, which I really like. They've got some different receiver sculpting that they've done compared to the XPR. Um, and they really put a nice piece of equipment together. And I liked the original able, no, a little bit of fit there. They've, They've got that figured out. You can't monkey with these things. That is nice. Yeah. So I like the original able, I like the bolt three, maybe even better. What would you like better about it? Uh, curiosity. It's for the price point. Okay. What it's bringing to the table. The the other A bolt twos and A bolts originals. Um, yeah, I guess I have A bolt twos. Yeah, yeah. They're a more finished gun. Mm-hmm. But there might have been a little bit more value in the finish cost than there was in the performance category. Okay. And this is all the performance utility. Yes. Mm-hmm. These are really. Really cool guns. Um, and there's nothing I don't not like about them. Do they make a more compact version? That thing yeah, is. Yeah, they do. They, they yeah. do. do they? That's nice because yeah. that one's pretty long. Yeah, that's. I think they're long range hunter. I'm turning a bit Synthetic. European in my my preference of barrel lengths. That wasn't a euphemism. but um, And swimsuits. And, and, and swimsuits, he sure. says. Uh, not sure I'm, I'm fully, fully Europe there yet, but. That one is the longest barrel on the table, though. Mm-hmm. What is that chambered in? Is this just a 6.5 Creed? Made in Japan, Moroku. It is a 6.5 Creed. I would say that that one's the Cadillac of the lot. Well, that Franke's Let me see. Special. Can I see the... Okay, hold on. I'm going to... Which one do you want to see, gonna, Mark? Uh, let me see the, uh, the browning here. I don't like that trigger as much as I do the... Uh... You could amend it. When you say that, what do you mean? Different Change. trigger or no. mess with that one? Change Are they adjustable? Blade. Yeah. Do any of these not have adjustable triggers, Ryan? Mm, no, as far as I know, there's there's a degree of a user adjustability in all of them. Got it. So, like you said, maybe that's... Nothing wrong with that. No. They're all good. Yeah. I've got the yeah. uh, Franke momentum right now. Check the CVA here real quick. I can say this. Now's with, the time where with, we just with start. All, with all of them Goofing. that I've tested so far, I've definitely had worse. Sure. You know, it's just one of those things that you get where it's just like, the guns went, wow, that was not bad at all. That was a CVA. We've been staring at these guns the entire time on the table, but you just sometimes you're like, oh, let me just double check that chamber. Not to toot my own safety police horn or anything. but I like that CVA too. Yeah, that's pretty nice. 
Some good guns on the table. Boy, oh boy. You know, so, it, so far for me, trigger wise, it's the the CVA and that uh, XPR and the XPR, the Winchester XPR. What? I have a question. It's one of those questions that I don't really know how to ask until I just start start speaking. The American rifle, bolt action hunting rifle. It would seem to me, people have been using them for a long time. It's been a minute. Right. And and if I know anything about the general population of people, it's that the general population will tend to want something that's more utilitarian and more affordable. Seems. So the idea of the affordable rifle or something that was the everyman's bolt-action rifle would seem to have been around for a while, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if you go back in history, there has to oh, have been some. Yes. But I, I feel like we we had a bit, and we're now enjoying the fruits of what was a bit of a renaissance there for a while where all of a sudden everyone started making, I don't know if it was just that like synthetic stock, like was it the fact that they all started getting synthetic stocks and that made it, I don't know what it was, but I feel like we got a ton in, in pretty short order, but obviously before that, it's not like we just recently invented the affordable, decent bolt action rifle. No, that's a great point and an interesting observation. These guns would be departures from the classic American bolt gun. A couple models I'm going to throw out. Winchester Model 70. What happened in 1964? They changed from what is now known as the pre-64 action to a more affordable version. Their fit and finish changed. Many people say it went down. You know, they went from, you know, hand-cut checkering to press checkering, and they went to different finishes on the stock, and they simplified the action. Most of those guns still shot exceptionally well. They just weren't the classic. And that trend continued. The Remington 700 arguably is following that same line, a more simplified bolt design compared to like the Model 30 that predated it. Um, And we kind of stayed on that path for a long time. And then all of a sudden people wanted that Lux back. And then that pendulum swung, and Winchester reintroduced the control round feed guns. Remington poured gas on the CDL line, the Classic Deluxe. And right. we got addition guns that were fancier, fancier. Weatherby's Mark Fives, which actually they never really changed course. They went from uh, a Mauser, like an FN-style Mauser action, to then the Mark V action as we know it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they had affordable synthetic models and then they had all the way up to like the Euromark, Lasermark and the Deluxe models. So it's almost you're describing like a generational thing. It, it kind of seems that way and I can't quite put my finger on it because I don't know if I'm bothered by the fat bolt design or if I'm championing the fat bolt design. <laughs> um, I think I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth when I say it's got a fat bolt. Mm. Uh, so we've, we've seen this pendulum swing a couple times now where we've had the Deluxe throw the kitchen sink at the mechanisms in layout and design, and then we've had the simplification. And I think we're definitely on the simplification stroke, but I don't think it's a bad thing. Right. And I think that guns like the XPR, the AB3, the American, the Momentum, um, and the Cascade are showing us that you can do a lot with a little. And it wouldn't take a heck of a lot to take an action, I'm just going to pick on the Ruger here, is like the most bare-bones version of it and gussy it up a little bit, and you end up with a gun like the Momentum. So these two are not dissimilar in layout, like how they work and, and what they are under the hood. 
you just add a little bit of fit, finish, and accoutrement here, and you get into a really special gun. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a there's a whole bunch of guns uh, actually in Italy. There's a group called the Italian Firearms Group, and then a, a company called Sabati. That if you look at Sabati and you look at Franchi, you're going to see some very close parallels. And in the Sabati line, you can get some very nice looking hunting rifles. Yeah, fancy wood stocks. Um, you know, hand cut checkering, beautiful fit finish, etc. That are employing that, and I almost think that this is a, 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 a somewhat renaissance in manufacturing, in which this is now the new standard. You're seeing it in its most simplified form, mm-hmm. and in short order, you're going to see it probably in an upgraded version, better fit, better finish, incorporation of the old style of of um, dressing up a rifle into this new style of modern manufacturing in which this fat bolt is employed. I think you're probably right there. I think, and, and I, th- I think that in a lot of areas uh, within consumers and history and stuff like that. I mean, you've had things like that where companies will come out with something and they and they catch a wide swath of buyers and they um, capture those buyers for an, an extended period of time. Those people become sort of uh, loyal to their brand and even even a sub brand within the brand. So say you know you have Ruger, but then you have the American brand within yep. that. And they capture them, and then they wind up subsequently because those people become, oh, I'm a, I'm an Axis guy. Yeah. So then you buy the Axis for as long as you keep buying rifles, and so then you though naturally your you age, your preferences change, what you need changes, and therefore the company has to change the firearm to match those consumers that they first grabbed when they came out with a new thing. But eventually you've got you know. Older buyers with different needs, and then the young next generation coming up, and the next generation wants their own thing. They don't want to be like dad or mom or whatever, and so they get their own thing when the company finally comes out with a new thing. We see it with rifle scopes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's 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 waves, uh, and it's generation. I do feel like these rifles they kind of embody to me though, like a. I typically picture you know, like a younger newer shooter hey i'm you know i'm just getting into this thing i'm going to get my first rifle you know i don't know whether i'm going to be primarily hunting or i don't know maybe i'm just going to go to the range a lot or what but this thing seems to check the boxes people say they perform well it's fairly inexpensive it looks more modern it's made out of you know something that's i'm not going to have to take a lot of care of necessarily you know with the synthetic stocks and maybe a cerakoted barrel uh but yeah we'll just see how this goes and you know later on down the line Maybe now they're into it. They do want the the fancier sure. version. Hmm. <laughs> Budget rifle shootout. Oh, you want to go shoot them now? Oh, we, we should have. We got it, don't we? I mean, I think we we do got it. Do we? Do we have the cal? Oh, yeah, we've got these calibers. <laughs> I mean, I I, I did select those two caliber. They're either all. They're going to be either all one or the other, but some conglomeration of six five Creed or three oh eight amongst the bunch here, which I did strategically pick those in the event we wanted to uh, pull some triggers. Pull some triggers with them. We should. I mean, should I mean, you know, they're all sub seven hundred. Some are, you know, right at the cusp. Yeah. Of that seven hundred dollar mm-hmm. mark, and some are, some are well, well, well below it. Uh, so it's hard for me to uh, pick a even uh, a a winner out of the bunch 
Like, if you just said it had to be below that threshold, pick whichever one you want, I'd be like, okay, I've got some ideas. Sure. You know who the winner is. But there are some winners because of their price point sure. alone and what they offer. You know who the winner is? It's us. The shooter. We win. The shooter. The, the shooter hunter. wins. Yeah. Like, you'll look at, because you could close your eyes, grab any one of these, and you're, and, and whatever you end up with, good. It'll Do serve it. you well. It'll, that dog will hunt. Like, it is a hell of a time to be a shooter on the landscape. <sighs> Dude, it's it's great. And, and the you, same goes for optics, too. Yeah. Because, I mean, you could go in our lineup and, you know, close your eyes again, grab a scope, and it'll go on top of one of these things, and it'll hunt. I mean, it's just there's so many good options that you don't have to be, like, some you know, multi-decades, you know, professional, knows everything about, you know, whatever. You don't have to be that. You could just be... Well, I mean, Cody, and we did a, we did a little thing on it, but he grabbed one of those uh, Savage Axes. I believe he threw a Venom on it. Yeah. Uh, EGW rail. Um, gosh, what else? Was that pretty much it? Oh, a set of, uh, set of pro rings and went to the range and... Shot a thousand yards. First ding, round ding, impact, ding. huh? Ding ding ding. Right, and it and and that was a sub sub thousand dollar setup. Yep. Start to finish. It's yep. like, I mean, to think that you could get all of those components, compile them, and go reliably shoot a thousand yards is pretty dumbfounding. When not that long ago, not that long ago, that would have been. Newsworthy. Yes. Yeah. Was that a uh, redux of the original video that we did many moons ago? It with was. The, with the but it was uh, less, uh, it was very brief. It was more of like a, you know, like Instagram reel-esque. Oh, got it, yeah. Well, because we made the mistake last time of using a, a suppressor, which we use on many different firearms Gosh. on that particular gun, and an Atlas bipod, which we swapped for many different guns on that gun, which which did increase the value over $1,000, but were completely unnecessary. But the commenters, a few of them, couldn't get over it. But uh, yes, very, very doable for for you know. I mean, less than a thousand bucks. You could even go way less than a thousand bucks. You don't even have to be bumping that ceiling to get something that's no. He had ammo extremely money left capable. Over. He had like he had a lot of ammo money left over. Yeah, I can't remember exactly that play. what the what the, the final yeah. tally was. And that that a bit more of a long range play with the venom. You know, I mean, you could also slap a crossfire three to nine on yep. one of these things and off to the races. You know and that's pretty yeah. cool. So, you win. Consumer. Shooters, yeah. consumers, you win in this. So you can get a heck of a lot for relatively little these days. That's for sure. And not have to worry about what we talked about: cheap guns. And I'm making air quotes. Cheap guns before, like it's gonna fall apart after 80 rounds. No, mm. not a one of these. Mm-mm. Good to hook. We can confirm, too, based on lots of experience In fact. that they don't fall apart immediately at all. Nope. These are lifetime guns. Uh-huh. Very cool. Good deal. Leave no budget rifle unturned. That well, was a, there's probably a couple out there. Yeah, I know. I, I feel bad. Our I, table isn't big enough. I would ask uh, the listeners out there, what do they think falls into this sub-$700 uh, category they'll that know. they like? They'll know what we missed. Of course, they may point out, and we talked about it before the podcast, that there was a Tika rifle in a particular spec that was very curiously uh, a bit fluid between its, it, whether it identified as a sub-700 or a, an over-$700 rifle, and, and we just couldn't, 
we, in good faith, we couldn't just decide that because we found it in one website in some obscure location for just shy of seven hundred dollars. You know, it just in, seemed in to. general, it seemed to not buy much, but breach that threshold. Yeah, yeah. Because it's easy to go like, well, that's just a little bit more. That's a little bit. You know, we it had is. To, you got to set up. You got to set up. We drew a line in the uh, in the proverbial sand. Mark was very stern and staunch with this. I'm, and you know what? I'm proud of him for it, Mark. I'm proud of you. You know, I'm he's ama- I'm, thank you. I'm amazed. He's a he's a penny pincher in general. There's no such thing as expired food in Mark's fridge. It's just opportunities. You know, it is. <laughs> it's opportunities <laughs> you know, to push the limit. I uh, I was getting really good at that, rolling the dice. And and a few months ago, I paid the price, and that was like a very large mental setback for me. Fourteen month old yogurt. When and, you pay, uh, yeah, and and was it also not refrigerated for the last two weeks? I don't. I I, I here's what I I don't know what happened, but it was uh, it was gross. And now if something's been in the fridge for more than a month, I'm done rolling the dice. I've just never. I I wouldn't be surprised at all to find a situation where like you just reach in your backpack and you're like, huh, when did I put this yogurt in here? <laughs> and be like, I like yogurt. <laughs> just start. I'll eat, I'll eat expired yogurt that's been refrigerated. You'll also eat not expired yogurt that hasn't been refrigerated and has been sitting in your car in a backpack yeah, all morning I just in feel the like baking sun. You get oh, a little no, time. No, that's that's incorrect, actually. Room temp is for it a, incorrect? For, yes, 100%. Room temp for a few hours, I'll, right? I'll, I'll eat that. I'm with Mark. Um, I'll tell you what. I mean, I don't know. I, don't I like. Know. I don't know. You look at how yogurt's made. It's <laughs> yeah. It's going back. It's, that's how. I'll tell you what I have had that is sketchy is Mongolian yogurt. Which is a dry product, like a powdered yogurt. <clears throat> no, it's like a, it's like a. How would I describe it? It's like chalk. Where did you get this and have this from? A gentleman named Itterbot, and it was a. That sounds like you wouldn't have to refrigerate it. Then? No, it's completely. It's like it's dried yogurt. Kevin Murphy, world's greatest small game hunter. Yeah. First time I met him, he just got back from Mongolia. I'm like, do you have any yogurt? And he's like, oh, did I? He's like, I can't believe that stuff. It's like chalk. And um, not for me, personally. It seems like you would want to mix it with something. Well, it's a really good way to make uh, that protein and nutrient package portable. Yeah. Yeah, but then, like, it just seems like... It was not great. Like, I've um, eaten a lot of weird stuff. It probably... I mean, if, if it's a survival food. It's in a blueberry or two, you know? Yeah. But I'm with Mark on room temp yogurt. I actually prefer it to cold yogurt. Hmm. And if... Um, I like Noosa. You ever had Noosa? Mm-mm. That's good yogurt. I like the uh, rhubarb and the honey, oh, and I like good. that I like warm. Those two things. That's a yeah, pristine. It's very good. Been eating a lot of honey lately. <laughs> it's good. It's good for you. It's, it is. I've been thinking about getting into bees. <laughs> Don't tease me, now, Mark. I'm not. I've been trying to get you into bees for a while. I mean, the queen's I've creeping been out. into bees, kind of. No, it, sort of. Ipso facto. That guy I bought my house from. He's into bees, so we were into bees. Got stung a bunch. Got a lot of honey, jarred it, sold it. It was a whole thing. You don't do that currently, though, right? No, I don't. Oh, okay. And I'd like it. to. Um, the queen thing just creeps me out, man. I just can't believe that that actually functions the way that it does. I tell you what, he he got a blow. he got a bee, and she Africanized the colony. They became very aggressive. We just burned it. <laughs> like, could not leave the house. Yeah, see that you know. It was bad news bears. These are cool, man. Very fascinating. Extremely fascinating creatures. Budget uh, rifles. Yeah, should we? T- that was a 10 <laughs> times 10 minute talk. 
Yeah, and then we just even just made it worse Whatever, and sidetracked right. it at yeah, the at end. This, at this point. Um, there you have it. Budget Rifle Roundup. What did we get right? Did we get anything wrong? Which ones did we miss? Which ones, uh, which ones have you been using, finding success with? Which ones have you customized a little bit? Um, like Gems Rook American. Do you need to spend more? It's not even a Of course you Are do. Are you a person who owns a high-end model and a budget rifle? And have you found yourself in the same position that Mark, James, and I have where all of a sudden these budget rifles shoot better some than some I, of our very I was, expensive I was going to say, have you ever pulled your hair out because your budget rifle shot better than your expensive rifle? Yeah. Uh, let us know. Yep. These are cool. Like like we said earlier, boy, the consumer's the winner these days. Some cool stuff for uh, pretty moderate prices. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Shoot straight, spend less. We'll catch you on the next one. See you. Bye. Bye.